Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to my AOWs. I'm really excited about this week's episode. My good friend, Dr. Joe Craft, joins me to talk about lichen sclerosis. It's a topic that's not well understood, although it really should be because of its prevalence and because of how much it definitely affects the quality of life for women diagnosed with lichen sclerosis or misdiagnosed who have this disorder. Dr. Jill Craft is a board certified OBGYN. She works in Washington, D.C. at the Centers for Vulvovaginal Disorders. She is an expert in all things vulvovaginal health, and you are going to absolutely love hearing how she makes this diagnosis, how it's treated, and so much more about this condition. So without further ado, let's do it. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Today's podcast is sponsored by Sweet Spot Labs. Intimate dryness is one of the menopausal symptoms I get asked about most in my practice. And it's no wonder estrogen is to the vulva what collagen is to the face. As estrogen decreases, so does the natural moisture in your intimate skin, such as the labia and hair-bearing areas, which can lead to itching, burning, and increased sensitivity. The product I recommend to rescue intimate skin from this discomfort is Rescue Balm from Sweet Spot Labs. No joke. It's an ultra rich intimate moisturizer that is 100% naturally derived and packaged with active levels of collide oatmeal, zinc oxide, sweet almond oil to soothe and protect intimate skin. I not only love what's in it because it really works, but also what's not in it. So Sweet Spot Labs has been pioneering clean, intimate skincare since 2003. And they formulate without any common irritants, allergens, hormones, hormone disruptors, or yeast food sources. Rescue Balm is free from water, preservatives, fragrance, silicones, propylene glycol, steroids, hormones, parabens, glycerin, and even from poor clogging ingredients like coconut oil, just to name a few. And like all Sweet Spot Labs products, Rescue Balm is hypoallergenic and clinically proven by unbiased third-party gynecologists and dermatologists to be non-irritating on intimate skin, even with daily use. That's why I really, really feel comfortable recommending it to anyone and everyone, including me, and even those with very sensitive skin. Visit Sweet Spot Labs. And use code Dr. Hirsch for 20% off your first order. That's S W E E T S P O T L A B S dot com and use code Dr. Hirsch for 20% off. I'm so excited, Jill, to get this 20 minutes of time with you because you're just an incredible source of information on social media and like doing all the things. And I know I do it too, but when I look at someone else, I'm like, how do you do it all? So thank you for being on today. I'm so excited to talk about this topic. You know, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. (laughs) I know. I feel like kindred spirits in that way, like the things that excite me, like I just keep getting asked to do more. So it's just, you know, yeah. So 
Today, I really wanted to chat with you about lichen sclerosis. It's a topic on my podcast I haven't covered, if ever, or definitely in a really long time. And I really wanted you, the expert on lichen sclerosis, to come on in and teach me the things that I may be not up to date on and all my listeners. So let's start with the basic question. What in the heck is lichen sclerosis? Yes, let's start there. So lichen sclerosis is an autoimmune skin condition that causes a lot of inflammation at the bottom layer of the skin. And before we didn't really know if it was autoimmune or not, like we thought it was, we had some research showing it, but really the research that's coming out most recently is really pointing in this direction. Mm -hmm. And so basically what happens with lichen sclerosis is that there's a protein or a series of proteins at the bottom layer of the skin, mainly in the region of the vulva and around the anal area. It can be in other body areas too, but it generally is in the, in the genital area and around the anus. There's this protein that the body identifies as not self. And when this happens, it brings in all of these local immune factors, inflammatory factors, and that changes the way that the skin regenerates and it causes the symptoms that we commonly associate with this skin condition. Wow. So is autoimmune, which is, um, my question would be, is it, do you tend to see it in women who have other autoimmune conditions or is it kind of just no clear association? No, it is associated with other auto, autoimmune conditions. The good news is it's not associated with the ones that we think are a, a bit more risky. So it's not associated with lupus. It's not associated with MS. Um, it's mainly associated with thyroid disorders. So mm -hmm. autoimmune thyroid dysfunction, like Hashimoto's and Graves disease. Um, it's There's a 14 to 16% chance uh if you have lichen sclerosis of having a thyroid disorder so that's quite wow. high actually yeah so you should get a tsh checked if you have lichen sclerosis at some point yeah 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 the guidelines say that you don't have to but i generally recommend to my patients to just get it checked every once a year or every few years yeah why not be thorough and so how does lichen sclerosis typically present and i guess a twofold question is how is this different than how something also very common postmenopausally, which is genitourinary syndrome of menopause presents? So let's, let's dissect this big question. How does lichen sclerosis typically present in your office? Cause it gets misdiagnosed so much. Yes. So typically it's itching, 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 itching. And the problem is that a lot of other conditions can present in the same way. With younger women, we see it with yeast. So it typically gets misdiagnosed as yeast infection after yeast infection. Mm -hmm. And then in perimenopause and menopause, it sometimes gets misdiagnosed as being a GSM or genitourinary syndrome of menopause or vulvar atrophy, that thinning mm -hmm of the skin related to menopause. And so it does often get misdiagnosed. In fact, there's a five-year delay in diagnosis on average for this condition, which is crazy for a condition that has a risk of vulvar cancer. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So a lot you just said there. So it presents mostly as itching. Um, do you feel like genitourinary syndrome of menopause has itching as a feature? I feel like I don't, but am I missing something? I don't know. 
No, not as much. Usually there's something else going on. So how I explain it to patients is if the skin, if the basis of the skin is not as healthy as it could be, then there's more likely other things that can happen. For example, vulvar yeast um, can can occur, um, especially in someone who's using, you know, even in like a vaginal estrogen, we can see that on the outside. Um, but, you know, it's, this type of itch is more so it's more so than anything that might be associated with, um, with vulvar atrophy or Mm -hmm. vulvovaginal, um, uh, atrophy. And so the other, the other symptoms are a little less obvious, but they're still important. Um, the problem is most people do not look at their vulvas before they have symptoms. So they Mm -hmm. don't really know what Mm -hmm. things look like before. Before. Exactly. So the other symptoms are going to be a white appearance to the skin. We call that Mm -hmm. hypopigmentation, meaning less pigment. And that's because the inflammation basically decreases the pigment in the skin in those areas. And Mm -hmm. so the whiteness can be subtle or it can be pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, The skin can also appear thick um, in texture. And that's, it's somewhat hard for people to really evaluate that. But remember, mm-hmm. thick skin tends to be itchy, like eczema or psoriasis, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so we do see a thickening of the skin. And then the other main symptom that we see that can cause actually sexual issues is scarring. So huh. even yeah. even if lichen sclerosis is treated or it's decreased or it's not that active as far as the thickening goes, um, the scarring um, can be the thing that's left. And so what we typically see is we see what we call... Um, narrowing of the vaginal opening. Um, So we'll see narrowing of the top and or bottom of the vaginal opening. And sometimes there can be a scar tissue band that forms at the bottom of the vaginal opening. And when people try to have intercourse, it tears. And so they can have tearing with intercourse. They can have a little bleeding with intercourse, pain, of course. Um, So that that prompts a doctor's visit quite often. Yeah, now I'm seeing some similarities between GSM, actually, like as we're talking more, I can see this presenting as what I would think, uh, or if I'm talking to a patient not yet examining, these would sound like GSM, but now you're kind of also teaching me that it could actually be almost like a later uh, downstream effect of the lichen sclerosis. Exactly. And then the other thing we see is covering of the clitoris. And Mm -hmm. most people don't look at their clitoris or really know what anything looks like. So they may not notice it. And the clitoris could be a hundred percent covered. Like they can't see their glands clitoris at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can sometimes see that as well. Now with GSM, sometimes we can see some atrophy, some clitoral atrophy, but it's different with lichen sclerosis because with lichen sclerosis, there's actually um, like scar tissue formation and there's yeah. actually a covering of the clitoral hood over the clitoris. So that can of course decrease, uh, lead to decreased sensation, delay in orgasm, lack of orgasm, and things can even get trapped in there. Like dead skin cells can ball up and kind of get trapped in there. And that can actually cause clitoral pain as well. Oh my gosh. How do you treat something like clitoral adhesions? Good question. That's actually something I'm presenting on at an upcoming conference. Oh, she yes, did not because, prep me for this. This is no. totally all natural questions. I'm such a good host. I promise. <laughs> tell us, um, tell us. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the clitoris uh, recently. A so it's a talk. great thing to talk about. Great thing to talk about. Um, so basically, there. So what we can do it depends on the level of coverage of the clitoris. So if the clitoris is generally, and th- these are my guidelines, there's no real like guidelines mm-hmm. out there on this, but. 
if the clitoris is less than 50% covered, I can usually uncover it in the office. And how we do it is we put on a very strong numbing cream and we let the we let them baste for about 20 minutes so it, everything gets very very numb and then I basically take a little instrument and I don't make any cuts on the skin I basically just separate the clitoral yeah. hood from the clitoris just separating yeah. that scar tissue yeah. and then if there's any keratin pearls or anything trapped back there I um, carefully remove it with little tweezers and wow. then people feel people feel so much better afterwards so if there's a little bit of coverage then you can do that but if it's more than 50 percent or if it's completely covered or they have other things going on that need taken care of like a narrowing of the vaginal opening or that scar tissue band then I would recommend doing it in the operating room because then they can be under general anesthesia I can get really good visualization good lighting and most importantly good pain control um, yeah. so I can really really just restore anatomy from top to oh, bottom yeah that doesn't sound that bad honestly for people who um, are searching for answers and want to get relief actually the numbing cream, you know, um, that whole procedure where you're not even cutting anything. It really doesn't sound too bad. I don't want to, you know, certainly I, I have not had this done. Um, but you know, I can see actually under a skilled provider like yourself, um, who knows what you're doing. You can help decide if someone needs surgery versus in the office procedure. Um, what is your research on this show? Yes. So the clitoris is very sensitive. And so even when we do it in the office, it can be a bit uncomfortable. So what I've been doing more recently is I've actually been blocking the dorsal clitoral nerve. So I'll do a, a little clitoral nerve block. And the needle that I use is about the size of an acupuncture needle. It's super tiny. Um, you know, I, I just basically inject a little bit of numbing medicine, a little bit of lidocaine in there, and it takes care of it. And people actually do so well with that in the office. So oh, um, nice. that's what I've been doing. Um, and I've been really incorporating that in my practice. Um, and, and I've been getting really good results with that. That's amazing. I can't imagine it's terribly worse than like getting that little Novocaine shot before you get your, you know, cavity filled, just one of those little like, oh, and then you're, you're nice and numb. Well, congratulations on like all the amazing research that you do. So now taking a big step back, back to lichen sclerosis, what is the basic treatment plan for lichen sclerosis and how does that differ from genitourinary syndrome of menopause? I think I know the answer to this, but I love your explanations. Absolutely. So remember that lichen sclerosis is an inflammatory skin condition. So the treatment is generally to decrease inflammation. And there's a couple ways that we can do that. Um, the best tool that we have right now to decrease inflammation is using a, is using a steroid. Um, mm -hmm. However, we want it to be targeted. So we use a topical steroid in just the area that's affected by lichen sclerosis. However, that's not enough because if you just slather a topical steroid on the surface of the skin, um, remember that skin is typically thick, so it doesn't absorb well. Um, and actually what's really kind of interesting about lichen sclerosis is that the thickness is kind of in the center of the skin. So the top, the very, very top layer of um, skin affected by lichen sclerosis is actually thin. So it, that's why it can crack and, um, and you can have fissures or tearing. 
Right. So it's a, it's a bit paradoxical in trying to explain that there's, yes, there's thickness. Thick and there's thinness, and this and there's, yes, yeah. exactly. So if we just put that topical medication on the top, it's actually, it could be doing more harm than good because it could be thinning out that top layer. It can be getting on the upper thigh, um, which yeah. is normal skin, which can yeah. cause some, you know, different, you know, purple stretch marks and things like that. And also it increases our risk if it's sitting right on top, it increases our risk for um, infections of the skin, such as a bacterial infection of the vulva or a yeast infection more commonly of the vulva or the perianal area. And so really what I love about lichen sclerosis is that there's such a power in education when it comes to treatment. So it's not just about prescribing someone the treatment, it's about teaching someone why it works, how to use it, how to control it. So really they're able to manage their own condition because lichen sclerosis is not curable, it's manageable. And when you know how to use the tool, then you can manage it yourself. So essentially um, the way that I instruct patients is because the skin is thick, I have them soak in warm water for about 15 minutes or so. And this depends on you know, how severe their lichen sclerosis is. My, this is based on my exam. I use a vulvoscope um, to look at the, to look at the skin um, uh, and I do vulvoscopy um, and I give them an individualized treatment regimen. But if the skin is thick, I want them to soak because it softens the skin to allow for better absorption of the medication. And then they really have to rub that medication in for at least 90 seconds. It's really a long time. I actually have patients set a timer because it's longer than you think. Um, and it, it really gets, yeah, it gets that steroid all the way down to that basement membrane, that bottom layer. Um, and you can imagine, you know, even if you're doing this exactly in the right way, if someone has really severe lichen sclerosis, um, they only maybe a certain percentage is getting to that bottom layer, right? Because the skin Mm -hmm. is so thick, Mm -hmm. even if you're soaking prior and rubbing in. So you may have to use that topical, say once a day, but as the skin regenerates, because the inflammation goes down and the skin's regenerating and becomes healthier, um, then medications can absorb better. And then we can decrease the frequency. We can go down to every other day, go down to three times a week, go down to twice a week, which is generally the maintenance dose for this. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we use twice a week, there's, there's a method behind our madness is because when the steroid is applied in the right way, it stays in the skin uh, layers for three to four days Ah, Um, when it's, yes. And that's, and that's for an ointment. So we're talking about an ointment instead of a cream or a gel Um, stays, stays in the skin for three to four days. So two times a week equals three to four days, three to four days. So there's Aha. actually, uh, there's evidence behind all of these recommendations. There's a method to the madness. That's a wonderful, uh, teaching moment for anyone listening. Like I would highly recommend if you have friends with lichen sclerosis, um, who are, you know, taking steroid creams that haven't heard Jill explain it in that way, or maybe aren't patient of Jill's. I know Jill can't see everyone, but such a great explanation. If we can amplify that message of how to use it, that's, I think, amazing. One other thing I wanted to ask you quickly was like, what is the prevalence of cancer with lichen sclerosis? Cause I know people might want to know. Yes. So it's, it's about five to 7%, which may sound low, but actually that's quite high when you consider the population, the general population risk of vulvar cancer, which is typically quite rare actually. Mm -hmm. And so um, the, the reason that people with lichen sclerosis um, are more prone to cancer are because when there's inflammation present, it's changing the way that the skin's regenerating, like we talked about. So skin cells are more likely to make 
mistakes. And when skin cells make mistakes, it, as we know as doctors, it, it can turn into a, a pre-malignant condition such as vulvar intraepithelial neoplasia or VIN, or even a squamous cell carcinoma. And so one of the reasons that I recommend maintenance dosing for a topical steroid is because it, it has been shown in studies to prevent the progression um, to VIN and squamous cell carcinoma of the vulva. So that's enough for me. That's enough for me. I actually didn't know that. That's amazing to know. Yeah, because the guidelines do differ. You know, there's two schools of thought on it. There's one school of thought saying you treat until the symptoms go away and then you can stop. Yeah. Um, and these are in these are in the main guidelines. Um, and then there's another school of thought that maintenance uh, dosing is necessary. Um, and I'm in the latter. School. You know, that's really interesting. I always actually was trained on maintenance dosing, but I didn't exactly know deeply the why. And now I do. That's amazing. That can decrease your risk overall for this turning into a precancer or eventually a cancer. Um, and I always feel like it eventually comes back, right? Like, as you said, it's manageable, it's chronic, it's not necessarily treatable, but a lot of times, and as humans, I totally get this, right? Your symptoms go away, you're good for a while, you, you fall out of habit with doing it, but then, you know, it can come back. And so I think maintenance also just keeps us in that routine of like every Monday and Thursday, your unsexy nights, just <laughs> she's, Jill's not, I guess. Um, so I really totally vibe with that. I have another question for you. Like, for women who, um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of women and there's a lot of support groups online around lichen sclerosis and there's so much misdiagnosis. Like what is your takeaway or message if a patient thinks that this might be what they have and they're just not seeming to get anywhere with their own doctor? Yes. So the support groups have been phenomenal with this. Yeah. And there's actually a patient advocacy uh, support group called Lichen Sclerosis Support Network. Um, and I connected with some of the founders of that from when they started. And I'm a huge supporter of them and all of the education that they provide, as well as all of the support groups, I think are, are fabulous to feel less alone um, and to get some answers and to find providers that want to treat this and look forward yeah. to treating this. This is what they treat. So, um, but you know, the, the, the thing about it is that, um, um, as we were saying, oh my goodness, I forgot the question. (laughs) (laughs) As we were saying, like, oh yeah. Like when they feel like stuck with their doctors, they, a lot of patients get mistreated. They are on vaginal estrogens. Right. And then they're like, I think I have more. And their doctor's like, use your estrogen more frequently. Oh my gosh. I feel like I just had a perimenopausal moment. (laughs) Um, Okay. So yes. So absolutely. Um, So basically um, any, any gynecologist really can do a vulvar biopsy. So if there's concern about lichen sclerosis, it's always best um, to, to have a vulvar biopsy done um, really to see what's going on. Because generally as a specialist, I can look and, and deter and diagnose with pretty good certainty or, you know, almost 100% certainty that someone has lichen sclerosis, but that's Mm -hmm. because I see it day in, day out, multiple times a day. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But if you're ever unsure as a gynecologist, you may only be seeing this a couple times a month or less. And so if you're ever unsure, it's always best to biopsy. Um, And then if you don't feel comfortable or the biopsy comes back nonspecific, then send to a specialist who sees this, whether that be a dermatologist or a uh, gynecologist who sees this. Um, And really there are specialists out there. There's a whole directory of them uh, that you can find at Lichen Sclerosis Support Network actually um, from every state. 
date both dermatologists and gynecologists. So there are people that, that do mm-hmm. like to see this, do want to help treat it. Um, and it's just a matter of, of finding that person. Nice. I'll put the description in the link uh, to the support group. And then last question, if someone is on vaginal estrogen, does that hurt the lichen sclerosis? No. So it actually helps. Um, So uh, basically testosterone and estrogen hormone therapy is not a treatment for lichen sclerosis. The reason that I call out testosterone is because back in the past, it was researched as a potential treatment for lichen sclerosis, but we found out that it actually doesn't work. So that's why Mm -hmm. I'm calling that out specifically. Um, But the way that I think about it is with lichen sclerosis, Um, We go back to why it occurs and that inflammation. So we can be decreasing the inflammation to allow the skin, like I said, to naturally regenerate. But if the skin doesn't have its basic building blocks to to naturally regenerate in a healthy way, meaning the hormones that it needs, then we're really at a disadvantage there. So I see um, treatment of GSM and hormonally associated vestibulodynia and all of these conditions as really a great adjunct and a necessary uh, contributor to the treatment of lichen sclerosis. And specifically, we were talking before about surgical um, lysis of of vulvar adhesions with clitoral um, covering and narrowing of the vagina. When we do procedures, I want the skin to be as healthy as possible to heal from that. And yeah. so I, I'm very, um, I'm very quick to put somebody on a topical uh, hormone uh, um treatment because I want them, if I'm going to do a procedure, I want their skin to be as healthy as possible. Of course, their lichen sclerosis has to be in remission for me to do something like that, but then they just feel so much better. I have them continue after in the post-operative period as well. You must have such, you know, such a satisfying job because really to take women who've just been like searching for an answer and finally get relief. It's just like so satisfying. People are like, Oh, I have my life back. This part of my life back. Um, you've been like, just such like a blessing and like, so glad you started, you know, like on social media and really doing so much patient facing education. I really, I'm like a, your friend, but like a huge fan, really. I'm I'm so delighted to even get get you for like 25 minutes today. So any last kind of, you know, any last final thoughts you have on on the importance of you know sexual health? We've heard a lot about clitorises in the New York Times and you know, lichen sclerosis. I will leave it to you. Yes. So I, I just want to leave you with the fact that lichen sclerosis is a condition that's more common than we think. Um if you think you have the symptoms of lichen sclerosis, please see your doctor, um, ask if a biopsy would be necessary or if a referral to a specialist would be something that would be helpful. Um, It can be managed. It cannot be cured, but it can be managed. And lichen sclerosis can cause scarring that causes sexual dysfunction. And we need to give a lot more credit and we need to really address these concerns because it really affects quality of life. It affects relationships and it's beyond, you know, menopause. We do need to mm-hmm. treat GSM. We need to, we need to um, address the menopausal symptoms, but we also need to address any scar tissue that is a fo- that has formed from a condition like lichen sclerosis. And there is help out there. There are people that specialize in this. Um, and please, you know, see your friendly gynecologist or dermatologist or sexual health provider of any specialty because we're here to help. 
Oh, well, I will link where you can find Jill. If you don't already follow Jill, you probably do. Um, and all of her resources below. Thank you so much. So well said. We want to take care of each and every piece of you. And I feel like if we miss lichen sclerosis, we miss a huge part of the puzzle. So thank you guys so much for listening to a listening in today. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Bye everyone. If I haven't already done so, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my show. Consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. Also, if you love the show, your stars or a quick review could really help other women who are searching for information on menopause and midlife around the globe find this show. If you want to work with me, consider the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass. The link for that is in the description to this show. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for all your support, and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Episode.